As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hold that podcast, podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Brody. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. It felt good to be back in a SEC road game, let alone at Davis Wade, which like I know a lot of people torch the Cowbells, but I love that environment. I think it's one of the most underrated in college football. So I had a great weekend. How did how was your weekend, buddy? It was good. I mean, though, you know, anybody who's living in Louisiana right now, especially South Louisiana, the weather is just pristine. So I watched the game outside safely at a bar with some lovely. mimosas that appeared. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. I had some That's the dream. Had some compatriots and the, you know, it's um an 11 a.m. kick is still not like I'm not used to it as part of my DNA. Well, um, it is my DNA, so we live very different lives. I know. I know. It was good. I mean, it was it was honestly fun uh because I had the whole rest of the day even though I didn't know what to do with myself after that, but um I got to say it was nice to have a win and then get to like relax and do whatever you wanted the rest of the day instead of uh all of my nerves bubble up as uh the hours progress and the beers increase so it was uh (laughs) yeah i guess because your whole day is built to you are drinking all day you know what you're normally wired to as a as a longtime lsu tailgater you are normally wired to be drinking to build to something while like correct you know i'm not saying i get to i haven't been able to do this really in years but like my dna is more wired toward like you are boozing because of the event, and then the after is mm. just like house money. So yeah, it, it's a very different wiring, and I guess that is a true way of thinking of it. Like, shoot, the this week's going to be a late night game against Auburn, so it's like LSU yeah, fans are going to be totally soused. Yeah, yeah, I could say that. I mean, uh, yeah, but famous last words, as I say. I think I'm going to prepare really well because eight o'clock is. is Brutal, but we can talk about that later. Let's let's focus on Starkville. First, tell me the atmosphere was like a normal game in Davis Wade Stadium. I, I still I still feel like we're easing back into everything. So yeah, it was, stadium was packed. It was good. It was like probably like ten percent away from packed, but you know, and probably eleven a.m. game factors into that. But no, it felt it did feel really good. And I and again, like I was saying, I still stay. I've been in some amazing crowds. And by the way, I'm a believer, Tiger, and I'm not an LSU person, as you guys know. I, I stand by Tiger Stadium's the best atmosphere in college football. But 
Davis Wade, like, I remember 2017. Remember that 2017 Nick Fitzgerald State team that almost beat Bama, and that team was, like, really good. It was Mullins last year there. Like, I remember being at that game, and because I, you know, for those, I was a former Clarion Ledger reporter in 2017. And, like, I was like, that is as good of an environment as there is when that place is going. Like, when the cowbells are going and the place is, like, shaking. It's got that, like, kind of, it's big, but it feels compact, which I love when a college football stadium has that. So, yeah, no, I, it was a, it was a good environment, especially in that, like, fourth quarter when things were really going and stuff because they were coming back. Yeah, it was it was great, man. It felt good. And, and there's something to the notion that LSU kind of went. I mean, we predicted before the game, actually, or at least I did. I, I think you were kind of with me that it was going to be kind of like an ugly football game. And I said it was going to be stupid. Yes. I something think that's stupid what was going to happen. And LSU, I did say LSU was going to win close and something stupid, which like kind of like is I'd probably the fourth quarter 80%. Was stupid. Yeah. 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 I, I feel decent about that. So, yeah, I think you're right. But I, I think there's something to even though when you have a game that's kind of that ugly, you're kind of like from a literal evaluating the football point of view, it might not be very convincing. There is something to a road SEC game in a cowbelly, just tough environment against a legitimate rival winning ugly football games. I am actually a believer that does something for a team. So yeah, I, I, I do think there's something to that. That's a great transition because as you and I discussed on Slack earlier, um, I think I feel a lot better about this team coming out the game than you do, which I'll just give you my spiel. Yeah. I, you know, LSU went to LA and got battered, manhandled, and it was a really bad game and sent me t- into a, you know, uh, 1994 era spiral about the program. Um, while I wish LSU would have finished a lot better, and I know Ed talked about that, and I mean, everybody, I mean, I was really, really encouraged by the way they played this weekend. Yeah. Like like you said, I mean, the last time they went on the road into a, I don't even want to call LA a hostile environment with, with what I heard from UCLA's paltry crowd, <laughs> but... The last time they went into a big game on the road, uh, they got their ass kicked. They got thrown around. And that was not the case for, you know, 90% of the game. And I wouldn't even call the 10% of the game that that was a little iffy even thrown around. I mean, no, yeah. there were there were cracks. There were the same old narratives that we can talk about again about the offensive line wasn't fantastic and the defense broke down some. But... For most of the game, and I will say that this felt like the first win this year that I was like, okay, LSU can build on this. Yeah. Like, like McNeese and Central Michigan, like, they were fine and they were different wins. It's hard to lump them together. But I still was like, uh, I don't know, man. But this was like, okay, I see something. I see a little spark. I see the defense playing well. I see Max playing really well. I, I thought Max played really well for most of the game. Yep. I just... I feel very positive coming out of here and yeah, that's, you know, we, we can dive into what everybody else is doing too later, but I feel as a LSU Homer who also has eyes and a brain, I feel very good. No, I, by the way, I think that's valid. And I, I wouldn't even say like, I, I'm, I'm not coming out of this game down on LSU or anything like that. I actually come away from it pretty pleased with the defensive performance. And I, and I think this is my way to go into my rant here because I'm actually like like uh, I uh, for example I always give our our mutual friend and great Saints reporter for the Advocate Luke Johnson a lot of flack because he actually gets like mad at fan discourse in his mentions and I'm actually pretty good at like <laughs> not caring or just like being like hey that's a small subsection but to, like Saturday I was getting 
actually angry, like viscerally angry at every one of my mentions being like, fire Durante Jones. They're they're gaining like 400 yards on us. And like, and just, I even saw like two sports writers tweeting like, get a clue. And I'm like, are we watching the same game? It is 21-3 and LSU is giving up yards. Yes, but that is inherently what it was designing the defense to do and so much and just bear with me because i am going to go on a rant here like so much of the anger about 2020 rightfully so was that that like the buzz term we heard all year was man bo pelini can't adjust like there's no creativity it's just like it's i'm running this attacking four three press man and there's nothing you can do about it and all that and lsu and durante jones came out there and again they didn't come up with this scheme like they're not evil geniuses or something you know arkansas and so many other teams that have done this very well against the air raid but they came out and did something completely new to them ran a 326 and it wasn't just that it was like had some creativity to it with okay you know they're mixing up some coverages or when they get inside like the 25 go back to the four-man rush because there's less space to worry about covering so you can try to stop them and that actually was a big key in some of those big stops that led to field goal attempts and stuff like that and I, I, I really think they did some good stuff. And it's like the entire thing was built on 3-2-6. Yeah, give them the box to run the ball. Let them take that six-yard gain or whatever it ends up being. Or let them get that eight-yard slant you know, for a little bit. Just don't allow big plays. And that's if you are angry about that strategy as a whole, be angry. Sure, you're entitled to your opinion. I don't care. Like If you don't like giving up yards like that, that's fine. But calling this defense bad or, like, saying they didn't play well. And, again, this is only a portion. A lot of people knew what happened here. But, like, calling saying that they didn't play good defense, I actually would argue you were just completely wrong. Because LSU, in terms of what they were trying to do, they did exactly. Like, when they would give up a 15-yard pass, it wasn't LSU making a mistake without a 15-yard pass. It was, all right, we're opening up this little... Like pocket, no, they hit it fine, and and Edward John was clapping every time because the clock was running, and they weren't you know getting anything really important there, and or like when they get that five yard run is because LSU had four to five guys in the box, they're saying do it, like it wasn't missed tackles. Actually, they tackled as well as I've ever seen them tackle, or like the things LSU wanted. They didn't allow big plays aside from one drive where it was a coverage bust by I think there was one by Eli Ricks and another one by Micah Baskerville. Aside from maybe that one drive. They didn't allow big plays over the top. They did exactly what they wanted to do, and that is why it was 21-3. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, you can cut me off whenever. Mississippi State entered the game with one of the more successful, efficient offenses in the country, yeah, but they are also number, they were number 93 nationally in points per scoring opportunity, which is basically how many points you get per time you're inside the opponent's 40. And that is exactly what happened. They turned the ball twice inside the 40. They missed a field goal inside the 40. They settled for another field goal inside the 40. It was 21-3 through three quarters. Like, that was the game plan, and they executed it. And, again, I think the secondary played well without one of the best corners in the country and Derek Stingley. I think the linebackers, besides for that Micah Baskerville mess-up, played a really good football game. Like, again, I'll, I'll end my rant. We'll get to the offense in a second. But, like, I thought I came away actually more pleased with the defense, and I'm, and I'm curious where you stand there. I totally agree. And, you know, I was how did I do remembering. That? I went on for five minutes. That was good. That was good. Here's, here's how I'll crystallize that is that we talked last week. And remember, I brought up Jimmy Lake at Washington yeah. when Washington would kick their ass every year. So, like, because it's the same thing. The book is out there. There is no sacred Mike Leach magic that he runs. I mean, it's effective. 
And, you know, you look back at the box score and the people in your mentions are going to say, wow, quarterback threw for 370 plus yards against us. That's that's not good. And then it's like, but everybody succeeds the same way against them. And unlike unlike Mr. Pelini did, uh, Durante Jones studied said book that was out there that Jimmy Lake and then um, Barry Odom and so many guys have signed the guest book of how to stop Mike Leach. And Durante Jones signed his name, too. Now. The last couple drives, not great, not fun. But like you said, it was 21-3, and I was like, damn, we look good. I was like, you know, they're giving up these underneath passes. They're giving us a little, excuse my French, a little bullshit plays. <laughs> Didn't matter. And then they came up with turnovers. They were, they were intercept. Cordell Flott played his ass yep. off. Like, you know, I, I was just so pleased with they were – in it, they, they had a smart strategy. It, it felt like they knew what they were doing for the first time this year. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I know the defensive stats have been gaudy. And, you know, if you listen yeah. to uh, LSU's wonderful media department, that is, it is their job to do this. But, you know, they led the country in sacks. They, they like to pump up all these stats. This was the first time that I felt, like, really confident in the LSU defense against a good offense. Like, as much as I trashed the, the Mike Leach thing because he doesn't change, like, there's a reason he – gets jobs and is successful is because he puts up numbers. They put up yards. He's a smart guy. He just is stubborn and the smart coaches will know how to do that. And Durante Jones can now count themselves among those people. And that makes me happy. No. Yeah. I, I agree completely. And, and my, my, the fourth quarter thing, I mean, yeah, that's not great. And that's, but I don't, I, cause I rewatched that fourth quarter again yesterday and I don't, it's not like anything in that fourth quarter changed my opinion of what I saw the rest of the game. To right. some extent, it's just a numbers game. You know what I mean? We're like, hey, the the, the game plan was about l- letting them kind of move the ball, but if like X amount of times, they won't actually do too much with it. And it's like maybe, you know, at least two of those three touchdowns were a little bit just like, all right, and then the numbers game, and, you know, those were the two they scored. A little bit of that. There was... There was one drive where they went back to a four-man front for a whole drive, and that was the second of those three touchdown drives where they did just kind of get diced up. That was the one drive where they looked bad. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that was actually a mistake going back to a four-man front. I don't know whose choice that was. I should have asked that Ojo on that today. I apologize. But um, And one of them was just a rare coverage bust by Eli Ricks that, like, I mean, he didn't make all game. Like, they executed that coverage all game. It was just like, again, I just don't think it's, like, changing my outlook. So it's like, do you – do you wish LSU finished better? Yes, but and we're gonna get to this when we get to the offense, and it's gonna be like my buzzword today. But like the way I try to evaluate football isn't just result oriented. It's like what's a replicable, sustainable thing, you know? Like, and that's gonna be my big thing with the offense in a few minutes. But with defensively, the mistakes weren't like replicable issues. They were just kind of like, all right, they got it that time, or hey, ah, that's a mess up. But they didn't do it the rest of the game. So I came away pretty impressed with the defense and. And the reason it matters is because Durante Jones, we're talking about week one, his first real game as a DC at this level, got kind of worked by Chip Kelly. And that's kind of the thing is like, is Durante Jones ready to be like that kind of DC? Well, again, he didn't come up with this or anything, but that was big to see him go and, you know, kind of outwit overall Mike Leach in this game and and adjust a little bit throughout the game and all that. And we're st- the, the jury's not, I mean, the jury's still out. We're going to see what he does against Auburn this week or or definitely sure. the Kentucky and Florida games and all that and Ole Miss. But that's a good step for Durante Jones. So 
yeah, I, I think I'm at a point with this defense right now where I still think it's one of the better, at least pass rushing front fours in the country. Stingley's thing will really be a difference in how we evaluate it, of course, and we'll see what happens there. But I still think the secondary is pretty solid. And I don't know how I feel about the linebackers, but I thought they played really well Saturday. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's pause right there. Let's do two minutes on Derek Stingley. Yes. I, like, as an LSU fan, I love Derek Stingley. He's amazing. But I'm just getting these shades of, and I know he struggled with the injuries last year, and then Leonard Fournette and was that 16? 16, where he was hurt most of the year. You, you weren't around in 16, no, were you? No, I was not. Yeah, you, you, hadn't, you hadn't gotten here yet. Well, Leonard was the same thing. He was, you know, projected top five draft pick. He you know, um, was never 100% all year, and he had a couple of huge games, uh, especially against Ole Miss. I think he, he ran for like 300-plus in that game. But he, w- he would sit every, um, I don't want to say unimportant game, but every lower-tier game he would sit out because, and I get it, he, he, he was not fully healthy. LSU was not in contention for a national title at that point, and he had a future to think about. Is that the sense you get with Derek? No. Is that like, uh, sh- should I expect to see Derek suited up this weekend no you should not uh, okay i don't think you should expect it but i don't think it's comparable yet to to Fournette. and it's a great point to bring up about that because that is a factor in all this you know future and all that it's tough um basically they're still getting a second opinion and you know it's his foot and there was actually optimism you know that as of last week they're like hey maybe he could play saturday but now it looks like he'll probably be out for at least a few weeks but it's going to be tricky because, again, I, from what I've been told, Derek Stingley himself wants to play football. Like, he wants to play. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what his camp overall feels. I actually don't know the answer to that. But, yeah, when, you know, dep- say hypothetically he's back in like three, four weeks health-wise, it's going to be a – it's going to probably be a more complicated decision than just is he healthy. It's probably a little right. bit where is LSU at, you know, like the Fournette mm-hmm. example. It's probably a little bit – and here's another thing that people need to keep in mind. Stingley's freshman tape was as good as anyone, and I still like I've been told by multiple people he would have been like a top twenty pick if he went pro after his freshman year. But sophomore tape, because of injuries, may I add, but because of injuries was not very good, or for his standards, I should say. And mm-hmm. this year's tape isn't exactly like, you know, reselling him or something. I think he's had some great moments and some bad ones. Point being he might still need to prove more. It's not like he's necessarily in the Jamar zone of like, he's got nothing left to show on tape. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it's out of this world to think you'll never see him again in an LCU jersey. And I also don't think it's crazy at all to think that he wants, he's going to be back out there in three, four weeks. I just don't know. And that's another thing to add to his stock thing is like, 
he is now a guy who officially has durability questions, and that's not always right. fair. And there's a lot of evidence of guys who have two years of problems that are completely fine, but that is now added to his resume. So he might need to go back out there and play. But to answer your question, I don't think anything these next two three weeks is him protecting stock. I think that's just his him his recovery. Okay, thank you. All right, Derek Stingley, update over. Let's go back <laughs> to the game. Um, I, I think the common thread for me that on the offensive defense side of the ball from Mississippi State was that I, I just saw a lot of improvement. I saw a lot of spark in a decently tough road environment that I did not see at UCLA, that you know I did not see at home, and while still some room for improvement, which you know makes me also feel good in a, a very rationalizing uh, our fault way. That I'm like, you know what? This is not our peak. This this three point win is not the tippy top. Like, there's room to grow, and I felt good about the offense for a lot of the game. I wish they would have finished better. I, I mean, I wish the game would have been forty one twenty five instead of twenty eight twenty five. But I mean, I thought Max played really well. I thought he performed well under pressure, which good and bad. As we like to say, I mean, insert our uh, offensive line needs to be better uh, part of the show. But Max had really good pocket presence. He was dodging defenders. He was making plays after dodging those defenders that were in the backfield. Um, I don't know. It, it, it just there was a lot more spirit around the team than I expected to see. And I, I was happy about that. You know, I, I think I wrote in our show rundown and we can dive in here. And maybe this is me just uh, being tired of being worried about the offensive line. It, does this just feel like this is what they are, and we're figure, LSU's figuring out how to navigate that? Like, do you think the offensive line can theoretically get better throughout the year? Okay, so yeah, very. I'm trying to think of how to put because basically my answer gets to also the overall offensive questions, which is. To some extent, yeah, I don't. Th- I just don't think this is a very good offensive line. At the end of the day, I just kind of don't because they weren't exactly good last year, and it seems like even the guys who are healthy are taking steps back this year. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and say I'm confident, but there is at least the very relevant factor, and again, this isn't me saying this out of optimism, but it's just, you know, it needs to be remembered. Their starting five has played nine snaps together. Cam Wire played nine snaps in that UCLA game, and then you know they haven't played together since. And even let me pull it up here. My wonderful editor Jason Starr is the stats guru and pulled this up for me. Even the the remaining starters, you know Ingram, Shanahan, Hines, and Deculus, have only played forty six percent of LSU snaps together. So they have not had their main group. And the craziest stat to me is they have now played. I'm pulling this up. They have now played 10 different O-linemen at least 25 first-half snaps this season. That is the most of any SEC team by far. No other team has more than seven such offensive linemen playing that many snaps. Like, LSU is doing a pretty bonkers amount of rotation because of just constant injuries where Wire's hurt. And then Charles Turner actually looked pretty nice, and now he's hurt. And I think you know Wire and Turner are both expected to be back this week, so that's a huge win. But uh, And then uh, Xavier Hill started two games, and he didn't look good at all. But, you know, he wasn't available last week. And, and Garrett Dellinger got ch- t- time, but he had a really tough day and got benched in the first half. And, you know, Anthony Bradford's a solid player, but he's not a tackle. And Jason Hines just came back. Like, there's just wild amounts of injuries, and offensive line is – quite frankly, one of those positions for continuity matters. So, yeah, it's fair to say they will improve. But at the end of the day, I just think this isn't a very good offensive line, and that is the unfortunate reality, which then gets me to 
your offensive thoughts. And again, I don't think you're wrong for having a reason for optimism. They had some really great moments and they were pretty productive against a, I will remind people, an actually good Mississippi State defense. I know people aren't like right. used to that as much, but yeah, that's a very good defense. Um, I just don't think if this offensive line does not improve, if they cannot create any run game, it doesn't matter. Like they are going to Jake Pease is doing some good stuff to get creative without a run game. It's been working, but I don't think it's going to work as well against Auburn. I don't think it's going to work as well against Kentucky or any of these teams that are about to play. LSU will have a brutal SEC season if they can outrun the football. If that offensive line does not get better. And I know there was some really good stuff and the explosive play stuff is is relevant. And that's actually huge because that's something they've been trying to build for years. But again, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go back to my my thing of this episode. I think we need to evaluate football teams off what is a sustainably like productive thing. LSU was not successful consistently Saturday at all. They actually just weren't. What happened was they created some big plays, which credit where it's due. And again, this isn't me being negative because I, I will actually preface this by saying I think Max Johnson did some awesome stuff Saturday. But I will remind people... One touchdown came on a yeah that that first sixty four year um sixty four yard pass to Butte was a heck of a play call heck of a play just well done across the board some great blocking on that play too on a big blitz yeah but the second one was a bizarre coverage bust for Trey Palmer which again to some extent you're creating that coverage bust probably so hey, maybe credit where it's due it was uh, a, let's let's yeah. not overestimate that it's yeah. a straight up bust hey, that they tried to be that they took um, advantage yeah. of yeah. Yeah. Huge coverage bust. And the last one was a back-footed throw into pretty heavy traffic that Dan Orlovsky on the broadcast actually would argue he was throwing to Keyshawn Butte, not Cole Taylor. Didn't even see Cole <laughs> Taylor. Cole Taylor catches it. Two guys run into each other violently, and he gets a 41-yard score. Again, I am a believer that making plays is making plays, but LSU was not able to sustainably move the football well. And Max Johnson had some amazing moments, and then he also just – I'll get. I'm gonna get to this later, so I'll save that for now. But yeah, I just I don't think my opinion changed on the offense. That is all I'm saying. I'm actually I am high on Jake Pete's overall. Actually, I think Jake Pete's does some great stuff, but I'm not any more convinced about this offense's ability to succeed in the SEC from this game. I mean, it turns out it's hard when you can't run the ball, and <laughs> you know that's that, that that's a big deal. I see your point. I'm still bullish on them improving. I just, I, yeah, I'm too. I saw a little more and I, I don't know. I, I just, I go back to like the talent is all there. I mean, Max has a very funny, st- have you looked at his season stat line this year? I, I know that we can't like super do this because it's such been such a weird season already. Oh, Max but Johnson like, stat line. Yeah. That's oh, fantastic. He's thrown, yeah. He's 15 to 3 touchdown interception ratio. And for all of the seemingly dumb passes that I think he has thrown yes. in my brain, the fact that he's only thrown three interceptions, one of them this weekend, was impressive. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I just, and maybe, maybe I am placing my faith more as a fan that they will improve week over week than you are as an objective observer. And maybe that's, that, that's where we differ because, like, I see those explosive plays and I'm like, ooh. Where's that been? Yeah. Like, what's up? Let's go. And you're like, ah, oh, maybe not as replicable. So I think so. Here's, 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 yeah. Here's here's the transitional question. Whose defense is better? Mississippi State or Auburn? Um, give me one second. S P plus has them right right around. Yeah. Auburn nineteen, state twenty one. Um, um they, my answer to your question though is I would say 
probably equal defenses overall, but Auburn's is a little bit more of a dominating front. You know what I mean? Which is probably more problematic for LSU. Yeah, I saw Auburn has 12 sacks. Um, they actually allow more running yards per game than the state did. But they're number 12 um, nationally in rushing success rate, number five in stuff rate, which is how often they just like, you know, stuff somebody at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number three in like efficiency. Like they just allowed some big runs, which is so their explosives numbers are messed up, but they're like really good on the line of scrimmage. But like, did you watch their game this weekend? Oh, I know. I know. I'm just, just giving you my what I got. Your boys in Auburn did not look great. No, no. And you know I am number one Bonix hater. And the fact that he had to be replaced, and if I'm being real petty, by LSU's third string quarterback to yeah. win the game against Georgia State at home. Yeah. Left me feeling pretty good about Saturday. I'm not gonna lie. Yes. This coming Saturday. So before we get to like the little game, which I know we're like, give me two minutes. I yeah. want just but the Max Johnson thing I think is worth discussing more. Because he is so difficult for me to like really – it's kind of 2018 Burrow-esque in a way. Not the same, a lot of differences, all that. But a little 2018 Burrow-esque where it's like so much looks bad and like none of it like is sexy looking. But he's productive, actually way more productive than Burrow was. But like so much context around him is brutal. So you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But just like it's just hard to figure out. It's the whole Dan- is Danny Etling a good quarterback thing to some extent, <laughs> and I even wrote in my like follow up analysis piece in today's Athletic, basically um, saying like like exactly what you said. I concede that at some point your production is your production, and even if it hasn't looked good, his production is fantastic. So hey, I think Max Johnson's a good quarterback. I am a Max Johnson defender. I think he is. I think to your point and. Dualism is a big theme on our show. I'd argue that two things can be true at once. I yeah. I think the offense as like an overall entity, I don't know how much drastically better it can get, but I think Max Johnson is absolutely getting better each week. It is so noticeable how much more comfortable he's getting game to game. I just think there's something with Johnson that it's like, there's some, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. Is it just me? Have you noticed this too? And I talked to somebody else, a friend who noticed this, like, he has this weird tendency lately to make like off-platform throws in situations where he doesn't have to. Like he'll like yeah. jump a little bit or like throw off kilter, or, like mm-hmm. it, like a hop throws, and it's led to some really bad misses. And again, he went seventeen and twenty-seven. Like he'd really, you know, he wouldn't miss a lot. But like the third down pass to Jack Besh that would have sealed the game pretty much in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. just like a complete miss, like a bad miss, or just a lot of throws where he's just like throw. And again, I think. Probably some of that has to do with just the constant pressure in his face and, like, that just has an effect on quarterback. But, like, it's a thing I'm noticing, and he's, like, missing a weird amount of – he's making some other amazing throws. That first touchdown where he made three guys miss, or there was another one mm-hmm. where he, like, rolled right, and I want to say, like, the second quarter on, like, a third down, rolled right, stopped, threw into traffic, and hit Deion Smith for a really tough first down. Like, yep. Yep. the good outweighs the bad, but there's just some really weird misses that aren't, like – Oh, I didn't get that 25-yard guy in tight. No, it was like, oh, you just missed the wide-open guy, kind of. Or his interception was like a five-yard underthrown ball, stuff like that. So I just like, it's just weird. And that's me really saying, like, I just can't figure him out because overall he's playing very well. There's just some weird stuff I don't want to, like, lose sight of. But no, Max Johnson's doing really well with a lot of trouble, and I think he's getting better each week. So I'm all over See, the place. This, this is where our dynamic uh, blends perfectly and contrasts perfectly yeah. because – uh, objective observer Brody says, you know what? That's a little, that might be a little reason for worry right there. Like 
He's not consistently doing it. He's missing these easy throws. And I'm like, they're easy throws. Those are easy fixes. Like my <laughs> that man is, is a my good man is, outlook. I don't disagree with that. So continue. my man is making the big plays. And then these coaches who are well-paid and theoretically very good coaches are going to be like, Hey, why don't you set your feet here? And <laughs> then nobody would be worried about the end of the state game. If you hit a wide open Jack Besh, like, and I'm like, well, I mean, I, I expect him to do that. Like he's, he's still not of drinking age. Like the, the kid is young <laughs> no, and he has played a it, really well put it, argument. Yeah. He, he's played in some huge games and he's shown like that he comes with this natural ability, both physically and also mentally where he, he has the stones to do a lot of stuff, like go into the swamp, his first start and win the game. And then, you know, it's, it hasn't been just totally on and up for there, but I guess that's a better way to put how I feel about them is that yes, there are mistakes being made, but they seem like easy fixes from, from this point of view. And that leaves me, feeling hopeful for the first time this year because if you remember how down i was the, after the first couple yeah. weeks it's like we just it just didn't even look like a good team like a straight up did not look like a good team and finally they got some swag back and they're one and in the sec i mean the only team i would have cared I, I would i would tell you right now i don't care who it was except for vanderbilt i don't care who it was outside of vanderbilt like road game after your your uh, mental state is a little unstable, um, a lot of questions around the program. I mean, I don't know if you you were in the press box, but you know they had game day on uh, leading into the game, yeah, which is also straight. a weird thing. I mean, the, the whole panel and like, I was watching and I was like, I mean, I hate it, but like, I get why are they why they're saying that from where they are, you know, when they're not, it's like, I mean, the Herb Street thing was a little little out of pocket, but like two weeks in a row. It was brutal, and I was like, "Damn! Like, is that is that where we are?" And then, and then they proved them wrong. And you know, it's I I, I don't want to say they really stomped and proved him wrong, but like they showed fights the first time I, like that, and he was saying they didn't have it. So yeah, yeah, he was. I think the phrasing was, "Do they want to play football?" Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, dude, that that's a little harsh." And like, I hope that he has changed his tune since then because <laughs> I do think they showed a lot of heart this week. So, um, and. You know, setting up a gigantic game this weekend that I am so excited about and nervous at the same time because, um, you know, my mental state and feelings all right on this, uh, unlike yours. So, yeah, let's start Auburn. I want to say, do you think that LSU should be favored by that much? Huh. Um, no. I mean, quick answer, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I it's a crazy it was a little line, overreaction. Yeah. I think it was a little bit of an overreaction. It's the Auburn overreaction. Yeah, like, everyone's, that's what happens. But, yeah, I think the line should probably be, like, I don't know, a pick em, uh or something like that. I think SP Plus has Auburn by 1.6, just for context. I haven't seen what Action yeah. Network has or what the Athletic has. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I love SP Plus. I think that's about right. You know, I think, like, I would say Auburn is probably, like, a point better football team and like just off what we know but again this game could go either way because i think lsu showed growth while auburn took a huge step back so yeah and again contact uh i think t bob used to call me the context king it is worth mentioning there is a long history of like things telling you a team coming off a huge draining top 25 game like the penn state game and then knowing lsu the next week there's a lot of history that shows you are going to play a really messy, shitty game against the Georgia State that in-between week. So, like, 
that falls in the category of I am not going to rule Auburn out based on how they played that game. Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay. I'm I, I'm not ruling them out because of I know that. you're not. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying, you know, I I was uh, I got into a polite argument. I have a lot of uh, friends who are Penn State fans from when I was in Philly, and you know, I feel I feel bad for those guys because they're riding high. They think Penn State is you know gonna win the Big Ten. They might. They might. But like. You know, it's so funny. You talk about being a context king, and early season context is crucial. And Penn State, on paper, has two pretty good wins. But now, is Wisconsin good? Is Auburn good? <laughs> yeah. Is anybody good? That's why college football can be exhausting. I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, that 3-0, 4-0 record, whatever Penn State has, like, it's the- I just don't know how good those those wins are because it. that's the thing we'll find out this weekend. Is Auburn this team that, like – is a pretty good team that has lost to two other good teams. Yeah. You know, they, they've only lost one game. They, they only lost a... Yeah. No. They lost Am once. I wrong about that? Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. You're fine. Um, is, like, is Auburn that team that just, like, lost a game between two good teams? Or are both those teams kind of mediocre? And we just didn't know what to expect. And it's it's early. You know? I, I go back to that... Uh, was it? It's probably seven years ago now because I'm ancient. Um, the Texas Notre Dame opener, Tyron Swoops uh, OT game, where it was like a top ten matchup, and then Notre Dame ends up going like five and seven, and Texas was like you know six and six, something like that. But I don't know. I I, I don't I, I don't know if anybody's good this year except for Georgia, and I'm I'm leaving Alabama out of there at my own peril. But uh, I did see Alabama really struggle against what I don't think is a great Florida team. So, I don't know if Auburn's good. If I was Vegas, I would put this game as LSU favored by like two and a half. Yeah, I think that's probably. I have because, a feeling it's what it'll end up at. Because I I do think that the stadium is going to be rocking for the first yes, time in yep. two and a half years, and I think that's worth a couple points. It is. And so, if you take SAP Plus, the the are well for what it's worth, that's factored rating. in. Like for like. If it was a neutral really? site, oh yeah, yeah, they do a good job at that. If, like Auburn's twenty five SP plus, LSU's thirty nine. Like if this was a neutral site, yeah. I think Auburn would be favored by like six by them or four or five. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're right. No, I mean I, I think LSU should be a slight favorite. Actually, I, I will rescind my earlier comment. Yeah, like coming off that win, you're home, which is going to be the first real Tiger Stadium home game yes. since the pandemic. All that stuff. Yep. No, I think you're completely right. And LSU has is fixing more things than Auburn is right now. Stuff like that. I agree. And back to the who's good argument. I do default to, yeah, we have no evidence that Penn state's like, I have a thing and I kind of feel this way about how I evaluate. I think college football and English and like soccer, probably the only two you can kind of do this with where it's like, yeah, I don't think Wisconsin is a good football team right now, or I'm not even sure, but like, just using that example, this is just a side conversation. But I do think beating someone of Wisconsin's talent level is always going to be telling me that they're pretty good. Is that fair? Like that's fair. It's not that I'm like I'm not suddenly here saying Wisconsin's actually really good, but to some extent they still are a major challenge. Like it's it's a weird fake double sided argument, but I like that's still a really hard thing. And I kind of compare it to soccer when it's like, hey, I don't know. Uh, 
Man City might be playing pretty bad right now, but if you beat Man City, I don't care. That's massive. Like that's a really talented right. team. And so yeah, I I think Auburn Penn State is pretty good. Like they've beaten two good, really talented teams, and I think Auburn is probably pretty solid but pretty flawed, which I think is probably what you can say about LSU too. I think LSU is pretty yes. solid but pretty flawed. So mm-hmm. I think this is such a fascinating game, and it's like I think. I feel like this might be my broken record thing I talk about this year is that, but it's just like, I feel like I said this every week where this is another, we'll figure out who's good week because LSU Mississippi state felt like that. I think we talked about it at length last week. It's like, Hey, they played three good teams, but no great teams. We're going to find out who's actually good. And I think I left that game thinking LSU is probably better. And mm-hmm. I feel the same way this week where I still don't really know where LSU is. and I don't really know where Auburn is. And we're going to find out. I think Auburn's a tough matchup. They're really good in the line of scrimmage. And both teams have great pass rushes and create a ton of havoc. But Auburn's O-line is only allowing, like, I think they're, like, top 10 in the country and, like, pressure allowed and stuff like that. Well, LSU's, like, 97th. So it's going to be a fascinating line of scrimmage game, I think. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that stresses me out. Thank you for that. Well, hey, there's wait. other positives we can take, you know, like Okay, let's let, let's Would you like a positive? No, hold on, just a second. Yeah. Let's go. So I have a good one. I okay, okay, hit me. Go ahead. Yes, they are going to win the line of scrimmage probably on, de- on Auburn's defense, I mean. But Auburn's pass defense is quite poor. Like yeah. 111th in success rate allowed, mm. like Delicious. 127 in air rates per air yards per pass, stuff like that. That probably does work well with LSU wanting to kind of like get the ball out fast. So you can continue. Are you telling me that's going to work out for the guy who like every other catches a touchdown? <laughs> yes. I yeah. think I think that's a good thing. I think that is probably a good thing. Yes. Okay, but I actually wanted to start on the defense because as well as LSU played this weekend and the last few drives notwithstanding, we said it was impressive that they came up with a good game plan. Yeah. 
they executed the game plan, but that game plan was a Mississippi State-centric game plan. It was not, this is the LSU defense that we run, and good luck against us. It was, this is how we're going to stop you, and then we got to wipe that all out because totally different team, totally different offense, totally different everything. So what is the, do you know anything about what the game plan is defensively this week? Are they reverting back to what you think would be more of their base defense that they run? Like, are we worried about that? Hit me. Um, I don't know their actual game plan, but I feel pretty darn confident saying they will go back to a four-man front. Yes, I, I think that yeah. was a very specific, yeah, Mississippi State game plan. But I say it to say, and it might not even be this week, but I do think there is some real lessons to be learned in being more conservative. And I think I'm a believer that college football is just now at a place where you can't like the days of just like, and I know Georgia still kind of wins like this, but there aren't many like this. We're like the days of just being like, I am shutting you down are just gone. It's about containing points. It's about containing like Dave Aranda is a mastermind. Dave Aranda was very smart about understanding. There's some yards you are just going to give up. The key is limiting things. And Dave Aranda was a master at that. And, and I, I really do think there's probably some lessons to be learned that, yeah, stay with a four man front. You have a great pass rush. Use that. But maybe, yeah, more zone, maybe some cover three more, you know, because those are maybe the real takeaways to take from that game. It's just like, it might suit you well to do that. And again, Auburn, I don't know if it'll be the Auburn game because Auburn is not an explosive pass attack. It's more of like they're going to beat you with, like, you know, with efficiency. So maybe it's actually better to go back to more of like a pressing kind of mentality against Auburn. So this isn't about Auburn. But I do think there'll be lessons learned. But I think also goes back to its normal defense this week. And, yeah, I agree with you. It's like I don't know what to make of this defense yet. I am giving them a ton of credit for this weekend, and they deserve that credit. But it doesn't mean I'm sure if they're good or not. So it is going to be so weird because Auburn's really, really, really – wait, I'm looking at um, LSU. One second. Um, yeah, Auburn is running the ball pretty well, and they're passing the ball, you know, pretty well. But they don't really have, like, a clear thing they're great at. They're still they're not an explosive mm-hmm. pass attack. I think it's going to be the first real, not first, but the second real chance to see if LSU's run defense has gotten better. Because Saturday didn't actually tell us anything about that. And right, Because right. LSU's run defense looked really bad against UCLA, and I had some coaches kind of warn me before the season that the run defense wasn't good. It was a great pass. Like, the front four is an amazing pass-rushing front four, not a great run defense front four. So I think that's going to be a huge storyline of today, or of Saturday. So I don't know. How do you feel about the this matchup? I don't know what to feel. Just like you, like you said, like this weekend was so different. You know, you're stopping this air raid that is through the air. And like, I was so impressed by a being a little more conservative, letting them hit those underneath routes that absolutely murdered us last year. Just crossing routes to go in for 55 yards or whatever. You know, I, I don't remember the exact proportions, but, and then our DBs making plays in space, you know, uh, interceptions, fumbles. I was so thrilled. That being said, I have no idea what to expect this weekend. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not that impressed with Auburn's offense. I mean, no. I, I know that Penn State's defense is fine, and like they went into a really tough environment there and almost won the game. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not that impressed. And, you know, somebody would probably look at LSU and say, I'm not super impressed right now either. And I'd say, that's fair. But Auburn does not terrify me like maybe somebody else would that I'm like oh man like you know even playing UCLA again although I think LSU is better like would still scare me because you have Chip Kelly on the side of the ball who schemed the hell out of us and found those open holes and like I just don't know if (laughs) Auburn has that like 
I feel like LSU and Auburn are pretty similar, and I don't know. I, I just I'm not terrified about just getting our asses handed to it this weekend. I'm not. Yeah, um, I mean, the only <laughs> like we're cut we're we're cutting into the watermelon, Brody, and it's ripe right now. Nice, let's keep that going. There there might be ants in the middle, and we haven't gotten there yet. And I don't I don't think we're going to find any ants this weekend. I don't I you know. I'll, I'll keep my thoughts about predictions later. Um, I did want to point out you mentioned you brought up Dave Aranda, sneaky good Baylor this year. Yeah, four and zero. Quick aside, big win against State Iowa State, and then they got Oklahoma and, State this weekend. So it's like if they win this, suddenly Baylor's like I don't know a top ten team or something. I I cannot wait. He beat Coach Dujour, Matt Campbell. I cannot wait for Baylor to go like nine and three this year, and then all of a sudden it's like where's Dave Aranda ending up? Shoot, Mr. Don't, you don't leave Mr. Baylor. Mr. I did not want to be a head coach five years ago. I wanted to be an NFL defensive coordinator. Wherever word on the street was, he changed his mind. I, you know, it's funny and like seems like he's doing a great job. Us so, sports writers to need to root for Dave Aranda because very few coaches in this world exist who will flat out open up the way Dave Aranda will open up in an interview. Like, not that we got him often, but he's done it even since taking over at Baylor. Well, he'll just like in a random podcast talk for thirty minutes at length about like. You know, I don't think I knew how to be a head coach last year. And just, like, going in depth about the mistakes he'd make. It's great. Dave Rand is a gift. I love Dave. Love him. You ask him a football question, you will get an actual thought-out eight-minute answer about what happened football-wise, X's and O's, that created that big play. And you're like... You, I learned. I keep. I still keep every Dave Aranda interview note I have, like from like the five times I got to talk to him, because I learned more about football in those interviews than I ever have from anyone else. So pro Dave Aranda. So big wins for him. Absolutely. Dave Aranda, good guy in the neighborhood, rooting for you over there. Um, <laughs> they they have they they no rest. They have Oklahoma State this weekend. So um, anyway, let's get back to the game. Let's get back to the juiciest storyline that we have. Yes. T.J. Fenley. Do we know if he's going to start? Have you we seen a, a report? Brian I have Harson not seen a report yet. Like, okay. We do not know. And like he's like, Bo Nix is still going to want to be out there, and they're both going to need to be prepared. So I actually have no idea. He's Wait, he said Bo Nix is still going to want to be out there? I'm sure he would. Yeah, I know. I thought that <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no comment. That's on that. a way to talk around something. <laughs> I mean, so for anybody who missed it, you know, Auburn really struggled with Georgia State this past weekend. Like, was losing until well, – I, I don't know if time ran out on that final drive, but – T.J. Finley had to come in the game. The same T.J. Finley who lost out on the third stranger job at LSU this year and transferred. Um, and T.J. performed well under pressure against a team that he should not have had to perform well under pressure against, uh, Georgia State. Uh, Auburn won the game. A thrilling, uninspiring win for the Auburn Tigers. And so, you know, it had me thinking about, uh, you know, Bo Nix is the Auburn kid, but he was the previous regime's Auburn kid. Yep. You know, Brian Harson is coming in just like a, a new GM with a head coach. You know, Bo Nix is not Brian Harson's guy. I mean, if he played well, he would be. But it's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it that way until this weekend. And then, you know, the possibility of TJ Finley starting for Auburn coming into Tiger Stadium against the kid who beat him out in a pretty even matchup is just delicious. I mean, imagine what, telling somebody... What a story in like last September that two LSU quarterbacks and the three in that room are going to be starting against each other in Tiger Stadium next fall. So that alone is enough. And two, and none of them is Miles Brennan. Imagine explaining that to somebody. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's bonkers. Honestly, and- honestly, go back, go back three years prior 
and be like, wait, he didn't have to sit out a year? <laughs> Great point. Damn. That's a very good point. Yeah. Like it, he is playing for division rival that he freely went to, which wow, I support that. I'm points. glad he did. And, and honestly, like as an LSU fan, I would feel, I, I really like TJ Finley. He seems like a really good Yeah, no kid. one's really rooting against and, TJ. Yeah. And, and he got thrown into uh, a bad team last year. Had, had some nice moments, but it's, it's pretty funny to think about how LSU went to Auburn last year and TJ Finley was starting a game and LSU just got its ass handed to him. Is that as, TJ, as bad as I've seen a line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball ever just get destroyed? And I mean, for his fault or not, TJ did not play well. Um, I think Max ended up coming in that game. Am yeah, I at the end, he, he threw his first career touchdown to Keishon right. Butte. Yeah. Yes. Which was also his first. So, and now TJ is once again starting for one of those two teams going into a hostile environment. Um, I, you know, I don't, don't, I can't even imagine what would be going through his mind is, is if there is some baggage there or the motivation or both, but man, it's, it's fun. I'm not going to lie. It's fun. And, uh, as much as I root for TJ, uh, as a person, um, I will not be rooting for him this weekend. And, I don't know. It's 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 going to be fun. What do you think about it? You no, know, it's fascinating because T- I mean, here's the thing, and the thing I go back to is when T.J. Finley and Max Johnson arrived at LSU. I don't think ever were either were expected to see the field for LSU in reality until like 2022, and now it's 2021, and both are like experienced starters playing for two different SEC teams. It's it's wild, and I don't even know if ahead of schedule is the right word because a lot of it's just circumstance, but like. Yeah, it's because it's, TJ Finley was, and again, like I don't say this to dunk on the kid, but it's just the reality. And I say this, actually, I'm about to say this to lead to a positive. TJ Finley was like, his only really other actual offer was Kansas. And like, mm-hmm. I remember during his recruitment, like they were like, hey, like LSU, like we might, you know, decommit. And they're like, okay. And again, like my point being, TJ Finley was not exactly somebody with like massive expectations when he came to LSU. He was just Louisiana quarterback. He was pretty solid with upside. And they're like, hey, we want two QBs in this class and we want to go with Louisiana kid. And he proved me wrong. Like he proved a lot of people wrong. That's why I'm saying all that negative stuff is like he was more he was ready in a lot of ways. He came in that South Carolina game and obviously it was a simple game plan. And obviously they made life easy for him. Still played his ass off. Yeah, he was a 19-year-old or 18-year-old freshman who just looked composed and poised as shit and just looked great. And and there was at least one or two other games where he looked really good as a true freshman. Mm -hmm. He missed some wide open throws. Yeah. And but he also made some big throws. So he's got the arm strength. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of big dude massive size like that like almost like yeah Roethlisberger-y, like just kind of like he's not mobile but he cardell jonesy might be the comp of just like he's sl- slinging the ball around yeah, he's, he's not mobile it. but he can move around because you can't tackle him and yeah i think i think he's really overachieved and i i think i said this when he first left is like it's a success story for everyone involved because tj finley went from somebody who in most people's eyes was never going to play p5 football to He's leaving now as a P5 guy. Like, that's a success story, even though it's he was crying in Ogeron's office when he left, as Ogeron told us today. And, like, it's sad because yeah. he's a Louisiana kid. It's a success story. So it's kind of cool now to think that he might be starting this game. And, and like you said, I mean, Harson, not, it's not even just that he doesn't have, like, the tie to Knicks. It's not even like Knicks is still the freshman or sophomore where you're sitting there being like, yeah, but he's the five star, big or whatever he was, the big recruit who you got to, like, build and develop and like you can't bail on him he's a junior now 
Like he is what he yeah. is to some extent. Mm-hmm. So you don't have mm-hmm. an obligation. You just need to find the right guy. So it's it's a really cool story. And again, quite frankly, it probably gives advantage LSU though, just off some knowledge stuff and stuff like that. But it is going to be fascinating. Uh, let me just say that I hope that TJ, if he plays, performs admirably <laughs> in an embarrassing loss for Auburn. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's my that's my stance on the matter. Um, okay, let's move past it because uh, it does us no good to talk about this when Bo Nix might start, but we'll see. Um, that's about all I have. I think breakdown. Did, did I miss anything breaking down about this game? Whether it's the, the smallest thing or. Uh, overarching narrative. I mean, no, I, I feel like we, I, I feel like we've done good the whole week pretty well, I'd say. And no, I think, and I think the fun thing is going to be starting next week. It's going to be an even more interesting podcast because I think we're going to have some real answers, good or bad, about what this LSU team is. A lot and of data, a lot of data coming. A lot from this of hashtag game. data, and the idea. I mean, if LSU gets whoops Saturday, we're going to be having some really hard conversations. If they win, mm-hmm. suddenly, quite frankly, you're talking about a four and one team with two SEC wins. You know, it's like, watch out. Now you're actually talking about it and like, Hey, probably back end top 25 team again. So it's like next week could be two very different episodes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I will say this, this isn't part of my prediction for this game, but that is funny because you know, I, like I said, 11 AM kick, I got to watch a lot of other football, you know, when I'm at the tailgate all day, I'm talking to people, you know, playing whatever drinking games going on and just having a good time tailgating. And I'm kind of popping in and out. We, we have a couple of TVs like most people have and I'm popping in and out of games. Oh wow. What's the score of the Bama game? Oh shit. Okay. But I just got to like sit around and watch a ton of football on Saturday after the LSU game. And it was great. And then I realized nobody's good. I don't think anybody's good. Like, you know, I'm sure Bama will, you know, blow the doors off of Ole Miss in a couple of weeks and prove me wrong. But I don't think, while I don't think that LSU is some elite team that is just a sleeping giant right now, I don't think their ceiling's there yet. Like, if LSU wins decisively this weekend, like, as much as I was saying earlier that I don't know what game that LSU is going to be favored in on the SEC schedule going forward, it's also hard for me to count them out of any game going yeah. forward, maybe besides... Alabama. There are no I mean, sure it's going to be a tough game. Yeah. There's no sure losses. I just just as terribly as I felt that we didn't have any sure wins, I'm like, oh god, it's the Wild West out here, and like, you know, we missed Georgia this year, who I feel like is this uh, terror monster that is what Alabama has been. Um, so, I man, it's a weird good feeling that I don't feel great that LSU has, does not project as a great team right now. But I feel great that nobody else does either. So no, it's, it's exciting. That's kind of fun. No, I know we're wrapping up and we need to. But yeah, I, I think it's that's a really valid thing. That it's a weird year where the bottom is better than it's been in a while, in my opinion. At least in the West, right? Where like Arkansas yeah. is normally the bottom. Arkansas, and they are awesome. And oh my god! But even that's weird because Arkansas is just completely outplaying Texas and, and Texas A and M, and like earning every bit of this and showing those teams are, are they are just flat out better than those teams. But at the same time, the spread against Georgia is like, I don't know, I think 18. Like, Georgia might yeah, right. kill them. Yeah, right. There it is. And, and same, same kind of thing, kind of, with Ole Miss, where Ole Miss, like, looks really good. And by the way, we're talking about Ole Miss might be the only one, that, like, just as of what we know right now, might be a borderline sure loss for LSU if mm-hmm. things continue how they are. Like, Ole Miss looks good, good. Even their fifth, yeah. 14 and a half point dog against Bama. So it's like, but I, yeah, I agree with you. There's very, the 
the the SEC is in the same time harder in some ways than it's ever been, and more manageable in other ways than it's ever been. Because yeah, they can beat Auburn. They absolutely can beat Kentucky if things go right. Florida is not Florida of always, but they're also number four in SP plus. So I don't really know what to make of that. Ole Miss is scary, but you can win. Like you beat them last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Arkansas toss up game. A and M now kind of closer to a toss up game. Yeah, like I think you're right. Every game's winnable. Every game is super losable. It's like that's why it's you know I love looking at Connolly's odds of finishing with X amount of wins. It's rare you see it this across the board where it's twenty percent five wins, thirty percent six wins, twenty six percent seven wins, and still thirteen percent eight wins with eight wins, which is not bad. Like the the your your point of this with the watermelon is so real. I just don't know what's going to happen, and that is fun as a fan though. It is, and I would like to put it on record that every week in the athletic pulse newsletter, which you should all sign up for, you should that yours truly produces. I make four bets, two college bets, two NFL bets. Uh, I use all of our models, the athletic model, Bill Connolly. I, I do all that. It's very hard actually to do. And I had a tough time picking bets last weekend, but you know, which one I picked very quickly because I am on the A&M hater watch was A&M my or Arkansas. I think it was plus five and a half against A&M. Yep. And Arkansas ends up winning by 10. Like, A, I think Arkansas is sneaky good, which is not sneaky anymore. No, yeah. B, A&M is just fraud on the on the block, always. And I don't know why they had all the hype. I know that I know they've well, been I know recruiting why. all block. I'm blah, the guy, blah, blah, I was blah. on our show last week telling you I thought they were going to whoop Arkansas. So hmm. I'm, I'm here to also dunk on myself. But the reason we thought they were yeah. good is because their defense is awesome. Their defense is as good as any. And... I think we just expected the passing game to be better than it is. Not working out. Nope. Not working out. No, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I feel a lot better about LSU's chance to get A&M this year, so on and so forth. It's fun. Would I love LSU to be, you know, uh, basically every single one of these games should be a win until Tuscaloosa? Yes. But I'm having fun. I I did not expect to have fun after the first week. So Let's go to predictions, Brody. I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, we went long today. Um, I will go, and this is just pure gut, I will go LSU 27-24 in a classically wild finish LSU-Aubert game, as it always is. Quick, efficient. I like it. Um, I would like to preface this by saying I know we talked about uh, how I knew something stupid was going to happen this weekend, which... I don't think much stupid really happened on the scale that I was expecting. Yeah. You know, there's a couple blown coverages, but it wasn't like this, uh, oh my God, did you see that? Maybe we can talk about Mike Leach challenging the onside kick and <laughs> essentially seeking the chances to even try to stop LSU once, which was hilarious. Like, I feel like everybody at the bar was like, wait, he's challenging that? So, like, that was kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, but LSU Auburn has just a rich history, a tapestry of dumb shit that has happened in that game from even when I was little, uh, the building behind the stadium catching fire during the game. I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures. Yeah, 96, right? Yeah. Great. Great stuff. Um, I was at the Demetrius bird game. Uh, I was at the, I was at the Joe Burrow game where he drops the, the, the dime into Derek Dillon and then, uh, Cade York is game winner. Good stuff. No, and um, then there's like the one wasn't the year before I got in the beat, the 2017, where like some wild special team stuff happened, and someone came back from like 21 three or something, or like a wild comeback. Oh, like, it was it was it was 20 to nothing. Yeah, it was thank a you, 20 yeah. point lead in Tiger Stadium. I actually wasn't there. I, I was I had to attend 
the funeral uh, far away. So it was interesting watching that game from afar. Um, yeah, DJ Shark ran a punt back. LSU was that was uh, Jared Stidham. Um, and then you know the Auburn game got less fired uh, yep. in Auburn when LSU won the game and then didn't get the snap off in time. Danny Atling throws a game-winning touchdown pass, but uh, LSU didn't snap it in time because Les Miles late-game hijinks that we don't have to get into. So there is a rich history here, and going into a a tough environment for Auburn and a, a fantastic environment for LSU, which will have an extra hour and a half of tailgating and. I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried about the crowd state because it's going to be really the first time back, um, but I'm also excited to actually yell. I mean, I feel like I've been yelling a good a bit at at the game just because LSU scoring, but I haven't really felt juiced up at any point during a home game this year. I think that's understandable too. So I'm going to say LSU 31, Auburn 21. I think Auburn jumps out to an early lead. I think it kind of deflates the crowd a little bit. I just, I think they're on the up and up and like, it's hard for me to pick against them right now. And I just, I, I feel the same way about Auburn that I do about A&M and whatnot. And maybe that's, maybe that's my downfall here. And I'll be sad moping coming back to you next Monday. But I think LSU gets it done. Who knows about the rest of the schedule? I just don't think Auburn's that good after watching a, them for a few games this year. And I think LSU's figuring it out, and I hope that they figure it out more. And I think it's going to be a great game. I think so too. All right. So we. Uh, um, last thing. Yes, please. Are you are you actually going to come by my tailgate this time? Probably. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. Well, okay. In my defense, there have only been two home games this year, and mm-hmm. one it was one. like. After the hurricane and all that, where I was just so yeah, fried, yeah, I didn't yeah. even get to the yeah, game until like yeah, an hour and a yeah. half before. No, um, and okay. then the second one, I had a wedding, so I didn't come to that one. I know. So I have good reasons so far, but yes, I feel pretty confident I'll be early at this one, and I expect some some good uh, branch family food. That it will be there for you, I promise. Thank you. I want to see my uh, my favorite branch parents. That's right. They're excited to see you too. Um, so yeah, well, um. Both both of us predicting LSU wins. Surely that won't backfire on us. <laughs> um, do you, do you have any other feelings about? I, I know we're trying to get out of here uh, about like how it happens. Um, I think my gut feeling is that I'm trying to think how to put this. I feel like it's going to be another concerning LSU offensive game, but. Max Johnson, almost in some way similar to the Mississippi State offensive performance, it's going to like be decided by Max Johnson, like getting a big explosive play on the back end of Auburn, kind of when like the game seems like it's getting away from LSU. That's kind of my my just like weird irrational gut pick, like some kind of Trey Palmer fifty yard touchdown when LSU goes like three straight three and outs, like right right after. Love it. I'm for it. Um, last thing, final thing. Does TJ Finley start, do you think? Yes, I will say yes. Okay, interesting. All right. Will we be fun? Thank you guys for tuning in again. Uh, rate us properly wherever you listen. Um, and we'll see you next week. Hopefully, I will be happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs>